0: Everybody doing? Everybody ready for more footy action this weekend? I sure hope so. There is a ton on tap coming up this weekend. But before we get there, before the weekend hits, here is your recap of all the midweek madness that went down this week. We're going to be talking UEFA Champions League today and you hear that in the background i'm sure the uefa champions league anthem we're talking that we're going to talk concacaf champions league we're going to talk europa league we're going to talk europa conference league and copa libertadores preliminaries all in this uh, accelerated episode of parking the bus midweek madness here we go i'm the mr mike You here with you once again and run through the results for you here and get you ready for another weekend of football action. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter at Mike Agostino. That's at M-I-K-E-A-G-O-S-T-I-N-H-O. Follow the PTB Media Network on Instagram and on Twitter at PTB underscore media. And if you haven't yet, go back in the podcast feed. Check out episode one of Birth of a Soccer Nation and Follow that podcast. Okay, that is my prized project right now. That is my pet project. Um, I have really done a ton of research, and I've had a lot of fun with that one. And episodes will drop every Throwback Thursday now, for the foreseeable future at least. uh, It will be a Throwback Thursday tradition. We'll learn more about American soccer every Throwback Thursday. So make sure to check that out. All right, and if you haven't yet, it's Friday content as well up on the network, okay, up on the podcast feed, I've got my Friday 5 play there, you can check that out, and I've also got this week's ETB Media MLS Power Rankings, okay, week two, there's been some shuffling around, and let me tell you, when we get to CONCACAF Champions League, I'm gonna say, if I had seen these matches before I had done those Power Rankings, it might have affected them. I have to rethink whether or not those matches are going to count in my consideration for the power rankings. But first things first, we go to Europe to the king of all club football competitions. We're talking UEFA Champions League round of 16 second legs. All right, half of the field is set for the quarterfinals. We start in my stadium. That's right, we start. At the Luge, at the Stadium of Light, Lisbon, Portugal. Benfica hosting Club Bruges. Alright, Benfica bringing a 2-0 first leg advantage home with them. And this one, my friends, never in doubt. We got the official UEFA Champions League Player of the Week, Rafa Silva, on fire in this match for Benfica. And we need him to be on fire going forward because it's only going to get tougher uh, we also got goals from the kid, Gonzalo Ramos. He just keeps firing them in. He just keeps getting better. I remember there was a time when, when fans and critics alike said, you can't win anything with that kid as your striker. Well, we are cruising. Here we are in March. Still only one loss in 90 minutes all season for Benfica. All right, the goals. As I said, Rafa Silva had the first one. But the biggest shame was that the goal was annulled. Or, or, yeah, annulled. It was called back in the third minute. Joel Mario with the goal of the week. If it had stayed, oh, unfortunately, VAR is here to ruin the fun. Uh, minimally offside. And, again, like I said, we got to fix. And it's not because this is my club. I've, I say this consistently regardless of who the clubs are. We're being robbed of goals by this VAR. The uh, The offside rule needs to change to be more in line with VAR. I am saying it here. I'm saying it to anyone who's listening. The rule should be if any part of your body is onside, you are onside. We need more goals, not more goals called back. That one was called back after some beautiful, beautiful passing. Uh, started with the ball that was collected by Gonzalo Ramos. He was... Ever so marginally offside, it, it was circulated around. Eventually, found its way to Alexander Ba, who slided it across Romario with his heel. It was an absolute beaut, but it did not stand. But that's all right because in the 38th minute, Rafa Silva with the outside of his right foot, nice bit of skill to create the space, finds the far post. BeFica finally go ahead. One nil there, but before halftime they would double the lead, and this really was kind of the checkmate in the tie, as it would be the aforementioned young Gonzalo Ramos. Yes, he had a hat trick at the World Cup, and he nearly had a hat trick in the Champions League here. uh He collects the ball, beats a defender with with good movement. He he's just very very good at moving without the ball and being in the right places. He's turning into a goal scorer.s Goal scorer, if that makes any sense. A striker's striker. And um in this one he creates his, his space with with good movement off the ball and then good play with the ball, hammers it home. It's two nil going in to halftime. He doubles his tally, makes it three nil in the fifty-seventh, doing again what he does so well, getting on the end and getting to the right place to to hammer that that ball home. Of all his goals, I think, of 23, 17 are from inside the goal area, inside the small six-yard box. I mean, this this kid is just having himself a season. Joel Matiu would connect from the penalty spot in minute 71 and add to his tally for the season. And then substitute. David Neresh, former Shakhtar Donetsk man, made it 5-0 in the 77th. Originally, the goal was disallowed, so I guess I can take back what I said a little bit earlier uh, about VAR just seeming to take away goals. In this case, VAR uh, overturned the offside call and allowed the goal 5-0. And then we get a treat as well for neutrals and fans of both teams alike. Yes, the tie, there was no further doubt in where this was going, but it didn't stop an absolute fantastic, fantastic goal from being scored by the left side, the left back. Bjorn Meyer of Klubbruch, the Dutch left back, gets himself forward. All right, he gets into a, into a channel. The ball comes swinging across. Oh, I'd say a, a pace or two and a half inside the, the penalty area and with the inside of his left foot of all play just generates an absolute rocket and the ball had no spin on it as it went. Top corner, uh, Odie Vlacodimos, the Benfica goalkeeper, had no chance, but that closes it out. It's 5-1 on the night, 7-1 on aggregate. Benfica advanced for the second year in a row to the quarterfinals. Let's go. And who, after the match, I'll just add this little bit, who were the fans calling for when the television was asking, who do you want in the next round? It was about 80% of fans said they want this team. I'm talking about the team that overcame a one-nil deficit from the first leg, Chelsea Football Club. All right, at at Stamford Bridge, hosting Borussia Dortmund, and a disappointing night for Dortmund. If you ask me, I, I expected more from this team. This is a team that is pushing for the German title. This is a team that seems to really lack belief in how how good they they can be. And, um, and it was a night where Jude Bellingham he he was he was good, but he wasn't it wasn't enough, and they lacked all kinds of just all kinds of finishing ability. The I really thought they could come out here and, and finish this one off, but it, it just it didn't happen. You look at the xG in this one, Chelsea with two expected goals, and Dortmund with less than one. They did get 13 shots together, but none of them really troubling Kepa. There was a, a free kick that he made a good save on, but going back, it, it was it almost looked like it was meant to be. Uh, it looked like they were in a sort of un-German way trying to to manage the match. They did win the possession battle. Dortmund had 60 percent of possession to 40 for Chelsea, but it did look like they were trying more to manage the match and and see it out rather than, you know, put their foot on it and finish this one. And they paid the price for it in the 43rd minute as Raheem Sterling levels the, the tie and puts Chelsea ahead on the night. And then a little bit of uh, every, listen, I, I can't blame the referees. I can't, this was sheer luck for Chelsea and I'm not trying to take anything away from them. But this was sheer luck for Chelsea, as they they do get a penalty kick. the The handball was called, and it was the right call, as much as you know you don't want to see it called. And I'm gonna pull up right now. Uh, I'm gonna pull up that moment here and see what the notes were on that. And it was, yeah, it was a handball, and. It wasn't called at first. Avar intervened, and you could see that it came off of of Wolf's arm, okay? And unfortunately for Dortmund, there's no disputing it. Once you see it on on the the VAR board, there is no disputing it. It, it, It's a penalty. Hard hard done, unlucky, but it's a penalty. But it seemed like it was going to be more of the same for Chelsea. It seemed like... Chelsea were were about to come undone again because Kai Havertz steps up and he, <laughs> he pushes it off of the post, off of the upright, and it looks like he's missed the penalty. But hold on, hold on. The referee call it back. We have encroachment in this one. And uh, you know, the I don't know why. There was a number of Dortmund players in the penalty area before this ball was kicked. Again, this is this is luck to, to Chelsea. They were bailed out here. Um, I don't understand why the Dortmund players were in the box. I mean, I guess their nerves got the best of them. I also don't understand why in this age of VAR where the referee no longer has to keep his eyes, you know, on all... 22 players almost, or 21 of the 22 players in the penalty area on a penalty kick. Uh, Why do we still have the half moon at the top of the penalty area? It serves no purpose. There's no need for those players to be, you know, that space back behind the box. A lot of the encroachments happened in that half circle. But um, anyway, that is the rule still, because now with VAR, You can just check, so the referee doesn't have the pressure of having to see it all, or the referee's assistant. Um, I suppose that's not the only reason that that's there, but uh, maybe I just wanted Chelsea to lose lose badly, and uh, I it it pained me a little bit to see them uh, be be bailed out here by Dortmund. Um, Just lack of concentration, lack of focus, and uh, Kai Havertz gets to take it again, and this time he does not miss. Okay, this time he makes no mistake. He goes to the right. Meyer goes the wrong way. 2-0 to Chelsea. That's how it finishes. Chelsea will win 2-1 on aggregate and advance to the quarter finals. Now we go to Wednesday's Champions League matches. The most eyes were at the Allianz Arena in Munich. Well, um, we'll get the other round of 16 tie out of the way it was Tottenham taking on Milan Milan had a 1-0 lead from the first leg and they went to London they went to North London and they defended that 1-0 lead and Tottenham incompetent in my opinion unable to undo the Italian champions and again your big name star Harry Kane doesn't get the job done when his team needed him to get the goal is that being unfair I don't think so I really don't think so um you have a star like him for moments like this and you gotta get something this team has invested money okay their payroll is higher than Milan's there's no question uh you have to get a goal in 180 minutes I'm sorry there there is no excuse for that um it all seems to be pointing to Antonio Conte's exit at the end of the season. But on this night, it belonged to Milan. 0-0 was the final, and the Rossoneri advance to the quarterfinals. So now we go to Munich. We go to the Allianz. Is it Allianz Arena or Allianz Park? It is Allianz Arena in München. And Daniele Orsato, the Italian referee, was was on the pitch. Seventy-five thousand in attendance. And if you're PSG, again, same thing I said about Harry Kane. You've got two guys in your lineup that need to show up in this match and need to make a difference. And I'm not talking about playing nice. I'm not talking about uh, having a ninety percent pass efficiency. You need goals. You have. Arguably two of the best, if not the two best players on the planet. I don't think they're the two best. I think they're two of the best five, but that's not really the argument. The point is you have two guys here that should have been able to get something again. Just like in, just like I said about Tottenham, and even to the nth degree more with PSG, 180 minutes zero goals when you have Leo Messi and Kylian Mbappe in your attack not acceptable PSG is not a football club they are simply an investment in a portfolio for the Qatari state this is a mess they need to completely I think they need to completely disband the whole project and restart it I agree with what what Thierry Henry said on CBS after the match, he says they need to forget about this and they need to get young French players and build a team. It's going to take a couple seasons, but start with them young. Build a team. Have a team dynamic. This PSG has no team dynamic, and it shows because... Bayern absolutely outclassed them in every sense of of the word. They did have an opportunity to pull level. I will I will give them credit for that. Uh but Vitinha's effort on goal is just not strong enough. The net the goal is wide open, but the the effort is not strong enough. Fear of missing perhaps allows allows the Bayern defender to still slide in and keep that ball from crossing the goal line and then Only the inevitable happened in the second half, okay? It was in the 61st minute, Chepo Malting with a goal. Bayern now ahead 2-0 on aggregate, and this PSG team has no soul. They have no fight. They have no character. They have stars, but they do not equal a team. I'm not blaming Kylian Mbappe. I'm not blaming uh, Lionel Messi. Maybe it just doesn't work. Maybe they just can't. Do it in this setup. You had an injury to Marquinhos in there. I guess you can you can choke it up to that. I I mean, on one side you had. I saw the headline in 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 a European paper, and it said it. It was tradition. uh, uh, Sorry, it was yeah, tradition versus millions. Traditions versus millions, and traditions beat millions in this one. Um, It just all of the money in the world in this PSG team can't get it right. There's a lot of reasons for it. They're complacent. They go in cruise control too much. The I think the players run the the squad. No matter who the manager is, it doesn't seem to get any better. They hit this wall and here they are again going out once again in the round of 16 in the 89th minute Serge Gnabry uh said game set match when he when he buried one one minute from full-time. And it is Bayern Munich 2, PSG nil on the night, 3-0 on aggregate. Ah, PSG, ah But hey, c'est la vie. That is life for PSG. They are just not European giants. Controversial take, perhaps. I said this after the match on Twitter. I got some pushback, but I stand by it. And, and I'm not the only one that, that said it. I, I happen to be... Agreeing with some more of the staff on CVS. I'm agreeing with Jamie Carragher and with Micah Richards. Uh, Killian Mbappe needs to go. You're not going to achieve your goals at PSG. The The culture does not exist there. He cannot change the, the culture. He has given them more than enough years of his career than they deserve. It's time to go to a big club. I said Real Madrid it doesn't have to be Real Madrid go to Manchester United and and fix that project now that it looks like they have a manager you know uh a manager in place now that it looks like go go to go to somewhere else go to wherever okay it doesn't have to be Real Madrid but Real Madrid is the obvious place where he belongs he's a mother of these stuff uh they they they're losing some ground to Barcelona now they had a chance to really Nail Barcelona into the ground. They didn't do it this season. They're allowing Barcelona to get away with the La Liga title. uh, Despite their failures in Europe. Yes, Real Madrid is still the favorite to win this Champions League. But uh, they need big stars. And they have some aging ones. And Kylian Mbappe. uh, He is just a Real Madrid player. He's a Galactico. Um, Make it happen. Kylian it's not going to happen it's time to move out of mom and dad's house it's time to get out of paris i know you're from there but you can't do anything more there it's time to get out go to a real club go to a football club and not a middle eastern investment uh piece okay go play at a real football club and and i'm not i'm not going to say that real madrid is 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 you know perfect by any means either there's a lot of issues there. They are one of the big ones pushing for the Super League. Yeah, I don't like that either. But um, if you want to win, and if you want to win Ballon d'Or, and you want to win Champions Leagues, it's not going to happen at Paris. They can they can buy you. They you can handpick your ten teammates, and it just isn't going to happen there. Okay. Um, yes, you can keep winning the Farmers League, but to be honest, you want more than that. Free Killian. I, all the Chelsea fans said Benfica should have freed Enzo. I say free Killian. Let him out of that, that dump. All right. That is your UEFA Champions League segment. Um, like we said, these four teams, Bayern Munich, AC Milan, Chelsea, and Sport League Benfica into the quarterfinals. They'll be joined by four other teams next week. We're gonna switch gears real quick. Okay, we're gonna stay in Champions League. Action and we're going to come to CONCACAF now. And I'm going to start with the biggest upset in this, or the round of 16 in the CONCACAF Champions League, everybody. Well, CONCACAF Champions League, round of 16, making their debut. There were a couple, two clubs made their debut in this competition and were ransacked. I'm going to start on Tuesday's shocking result. We're going to go to the Dominican Republic where the Haitian champions. Rev- I believe it's Violet AC, took on Austin FC of Major League Soccer. It's been an up and down, kind of difficult uh, start to the season for Austin FC. They lost a match they shouldn't have lost to St. Louis City at the start of their season. They bounced back last week with a win. And now, now they're looking you know, to to get some momentum going. This is a big moment for them. They're playing in CONCACAF Champions League. They are playing on a plastic pitch. By the way, I do have to point that out. But Violet, not able to play in their home country. There are issues going on there. I'm not familiar with it. And um, maybe someone listening is more familiar with what's going on in Haiti and why I believe their football is suspended right now, their domestic football. This team hadn't played in a long time. Well, it sure didn't look like it. Miche, Nader, Shehi with two goals in the first half for Violet and Austin are Austin made a big mistake here okay and as an MLS you know show or channel I should say we we follow MLS quite a bit here now as you know uh Josh Wolf he uh he didn't put out a strong enough lineup he underestimated Violet no question rookie mistake here in the Champions League and he paid the ultimate price for it there were two goals, like I said, by Shehi in the first half, one in the 13th, one in the 39th, and the 47th. It got even worse. Amro Tarek, he would uh, put an own goal past his own keeper. 3-0, Violette, And again, some nice play going on for, for Austin at times. He tries to strengthen the squad a little bit. On comes Ragoni. On comes Owen Wolf, the coach's son in the... 55th minute and he actually I thought he played quite well when he came in Kip Keller comes on for Tarek in the 66th and the the veteran Will Bruin replaces Diego Fagundes in the 70th in the end of the night though no Sebastian Driussi they really could have used him on this one I don't know if it's because they were playing on on field turf on on the synthetic pitch if that's why he didn't travel I don't know the details Uh, they didn't talk much about it but uh he didn't travel and austin leave with a let's be honest a humiliating 3-0 defeat on the road here and they're going to bring that deficit home with them and next week for the second leg uh hopefully the austin fans uh pack q2 stadium hopefully they get the atmosphere they're used to and hopefully josh wolf fields his strongest team and they overturn this 3-0 result they can do it But it's going to be an uphill battle now. Not the way Austin FC wanted to open their first ever CONCACAF Champions League match. The other two MLS teams on Tuesday night performed quite well. I watched both of these matches. And uh, I was quite impressed with with both of them. I'll start with Alianza taking on Philadelphia Union. Alianza in San Salvador at the Cuscatlan. I believe the match was played at the the historic Cuscatlan Stadium which is the Mecca of football uh, in El Salvador. It's the biggest stadium in Central America. And Philadelphia played well. Philadelphia stayed organized. Jim Curtin knew what he was doing. Uh, they want to bring this, this tie back to Philadelphia, and they did that. Uh, they were the better team. There was no question. I mean, the pitch was not good for such a historic stadium and such a and this goes kind of across a lot of these stadiums. The playing surfaces were poor all across the the round of 16 first legs here. Um, there were just some really poor pitches. I'm not going to lie. And with all the money that FIFA and that you and that CONCACAF funnel into these countries, into these federations, too much of it is going in bureaucrats' pockets, and not enough of it back into these facilities. Okay, there's facilities that can't we're told can't be equipped. For V.A.R. They can't I mean, some of these stadiums are I, I actually checked some of this out between this one here at the Cuscatlan in San Salvador. And I checked out uh, the stadium. I believe it's the Metropolitano in San Pedro Sula. Um, just while watching it, reading re- reviews of people that went to these stadiums. And and it just sounds like they are absolute dumps. Uh. You talk about stadiums not having running water in the public bathrooms, and I mean the pitches are—they're overused. There's no question about that. I understand that a lot of clubs use the same stadium, just like in South America, in Central America. That's 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 part of the reality. It doesn't mean that they can't be in better in better conditions. Okay, this is the Concacaf Champions League. Concacaf, this is your showpiece. This is your main tournament. Okay, you can't. You see, the Gold Cup, you always get to play in the the nicest places here in the United States. You don't take it anywhere else. And I'm very critical of CONCACAF for that. But then you do see when we have competitions and we have matches in other places, the facilities are not up to the level that this competition deserves, in my opinion. And it's not just that. These teams don't... I mean, they don't... There's a lack of... of... I don't want to say professionalism, but there is there is a lot missing still. These teams are playing with uniform. There are teams taking the pitch in an international tournament that's broadcast around the world, and these players are not wearing names on the back of their shirts on these teams. I get that they have a million and two sponsors, and they need them. I get that. You still got to make room on the jersey for the names. I'm not calling for the type of of rules and restrictions UEFA has about these things in the in the Champions League and in the Europa League. No, that's that's not really what's necessary, but you got to have the players names. I mean, this is your product CONCACAF. You have to enforce some of this and you have to impose things on these clubs. They need to be better. They need to bring a higher quality. Security is an issue in these stadiums. There's no question about it. It just needs to be better. Enough money goes to these federations that they should be able to guarantee these conditions. And I know someone's going to, going to dispute this with me. I'm going to get a DM. I'm going to get a, an inbox saying that. I don't know what I'm talking about, that I haven't been to sell and San Salvador. I haven't been to Honduras and you're right. I haven't been there. It doesn't matter. These, these are, these are, requirements okay these are requirements to hold this type of a tournament and i don't want these tournaments taken out of these countries i want these countries to stop pocketing money and i'm not these countries i should rephrase that i want the people in charge of these federations to stop pocketing this money and start putting it back in the game instead of always taking handouts from from everywhere and pocketing it anyway that's my rant this one finished nil nil Subaru Park next week will host the second leg. And then at the fabulous, fantastic uh, Universitario Stadium, El Volcan, as they call it, in in Monterrey, it is Tigres taking on Orlando City. And this is the match I was speaking about at the top. Had I seen this before I did the Parking the Bus uh, MLS Power Rankings, I would have been very tempted to put Orlando City a, a little higher because they looked defensively fantastic in this match. And Pedro Galese in goal for Orlando City looks like a star. He looks like a world-class goalkeeper, and he is a world-class goalkeeper. He's Peru's uh, national team goalkeeper, and it shows. They were not rattled by the atmosphere. A full Volcan, okay, all in, in, in uh, or, or orange-yellow, I don't know what, you want to call that shade that they wear. It's a unique shade to them. Uh, We nearly lost, and I was rooting for the MLS team in this one, so I was excited for a moment. We nearly lost uh, Pierre, Andre Pierre Gignac from this match. The referee had sent him off originally, and after the moment of excitement had died down a little bit, I realized that, uh, you know, This match deserves a Gignac. And once I saw the replay, I said he didn't deserve to go off for that. Thankfully, the referee uh, took a look on the monitor. He rescinded the red card and issued just a yellow card to Gignac. And we had an entertaining nil-nil match. Okay, so no goals were scored, but it was entertaining. Both teams played good football. And again, I'm very, very impressed defensively with this Orlando City SC team. Now, the three matches into the season, they have been very, very hard to score on. And uh, if that continues, I I think they're going to only get better as the season goes on. I can't wait for the second leg in this one and next week. All right, those were Tuesday's matches. Wednesday's matches in CONCACAF Champions League. Again, these are all first legs. you got Tauro FC taking on Leon. And the Mexican side goes in and beats Tauro. Uh 1-0 on the road, and they'll take that 1-0 lead with them back to their Camp nou in Mexico next week. In in Honduras, it is Olympia taking on Atlas. And just like Austin, Atlas is playing the difference between Atlas and Austin, though, is only about you know 90 years <laughs> in, in their history of how long they've been around, maybe even longer. Atlas is a historic club, but a historically underachieving club uh, that made headlines last calendar year uh, or actually in 2021 qualifying for this tournament for the first time. And that's because they won their first championship in over 80 years. Okay, and then they won back to back. They won the double in Mexico, which is rare. They won the uh, Apertura and the Clausewta. And uh, this was their debut in this competition. And uh, it's going to be a debut they're going to want to forget. Unfortunately, as Kevin Lopez got the Hondurans ahead in the tenth minute, and uh, the stadium was rocking with that goal. But in the fifteenth, a VAR decision brings the play back and calls a penalty in favor of Atlas. Julio Cesar Fuch steps up. He has been the key catalyst in this team and their revival in their championships. And he steps up and rightfully so scores Atlas's first ever CONCACAF Champions League goal. 1-1 after 15 minutes, 1-1 at halftime. But then it starts to come undone for the Mexican side as Jorge Benguche would make it 2-1 in the 55th minute. Six minutes later, the referee points to the spot and this time it's for Olympia. And Jerry Bengston, the former New England Revolution player, steps up, converts 3-1 Olympia, and Jorge Benguche would double his tally in the 73rd and finish off the scoring 4-1 to Olympia in this one. This is a good result, if not for the one goal scored by Atlas. Um, I think it would be almost insurmountable for the second leg, but Atlas picking up that very crucial goal because in CONCACAF, We still have away goals. So Atlas only needs a 3-0 victory at home next week to proceed to progress through to the quarterfinals. You want a shock result? Here's this one. Let's go to Canada. Vancouver Whitecaps versus Real España at BC Place. And this was unfortunately not a... It didn't look like a very good turnout in Vancouver for such a big match. but you had a very, very good on-the-pitch performance from the Canadian side as Tristan Blackman would be the first to break the deadlock. 21st minute, 1-0 Vancouver. They take that lead into halftime. In the second half, Ryan Rapozu, that's right, the Fox. Ryan the Fox, if you, that is his name in Portuguese, scores for Vancouver and then does his CR7. Impersonation you from the supporters from the Vancouver uh, supporters section 2-0 to the Whitecaps and then an own goal off of Devron Garcia makes it 3-0 and that is where uh, Real España just completely implodes in the 70th minute Pedro Vite makes it 4-0 and in the 78th Brian White finishes off for the night 5-0 to the Whitecaps Absolutely no reason they shouldn't come back from their trip to Costa Rica next week. I believe that's where Real España is from. They're from Costa Rica, correct? No, from Honduras, excuse me. Uh, Diano is who I'm thinking of from Costa Rica. They're going to go to Honduras. They have every responsibility and to be and obligation to come back next week, having progressed to the quarterfinals. Lastly, two matches on Thursday. Before we wrap up this segment, it was C.D. Motagua hosting Pachuca. This match also played in the same stadium where the day before Olympia had played. And this is another thing that CONCACAF really cannot have happening. I know clubs are going to share pitches. That's part of it. You just can't have them both at home in the same leg. And this is, oh, You just can't do it or you have to separate the matches by a week. You have to do something because this pitch was just beat up. And I guess it played into the home side uh, as they held me- Mexican champions, current Mexican champions, Pachuca, nil and nil through 90 minutes. So this one will be all to play for next next week um, <laughs> at the Estadio Hidalgo in Mexico. And lastly, we go to Costa Rica and we go to the Alej- the Estadio Alejandro Moreno Soto in Alajulea. Mex Alajuela, sorry, Alajuela, Costa Rica and it is the Costa Rican cha- league leaders taking on the MLS champions LAFC and everything I said about LAFC I'm second thinking now after their match with Portland um when I said they needed to be more convincing well they were in this one and how about the large section of traveling support from LAFC that traveled to Costa Rica for this match. They were phenomenal. Uh, They won the battle in the stands. I heard them the whole time, and then they, for some reason, all disappeared in the 80th minute. I don't know what happened. I will try to find out more and maybe bring it up on the mothership on the on the flagship show on Monday. See if I have an update on that or not. I don't know. But anyway, it was all LAFC. This game could have easily been 6 or 7 nil. No. LAFC did not finish well in the first half. And in the second half, they cleaned it up. De- Denny Buanga would have himself a night. He comes into this match and he gets himself a hat-trick. The Gabon International with three goals in the second half in this one. Uh, three great goals. LAFC win 3-0 and they uh set, they fire a warning shot out to all of the others in this competition that think they're going to win it um specifically at the Mexican clubs but also at uh at Seattle uh, sorry not Seattle at Orlando at Philadelphia. I thought Philadelphia was going to be MLS's best chance to win this competition. I'm I'm thinking I'm having second thoughts now LAFC if they look like that uh and they continue to look like that through these rounds, I don't know that we, they, they have just as good a chance to win this thing and hopefully keep this cup in Major League Soccer. That's MLS. That is Concacaf. Sorry, Concacaf Champions League round of 16, leg one, and it is time for a break and to pay a bill. And when we come back, we will take a look at the other competitions. We'll run through the results quickly, and we will get you out of here so you can watch your weekend football. This is parking the bus. This is the Mr. Mike Agustinu. Here's a quick message so we can pay a bill. Welcome back to Parking the Bus. You hear that music now, and that's the anthem of the UEFA Europa League. I haven't played that music in a long time. I really like that one. There it is. Uh, we're going to go over the Europa League now really quickly for you and get you ready for your football weekend, as I said. Okay, we go to Thursday, March the 9th, and we are in the round of 16, first leg, after a great uh, play-in round, they're calling it. Uh, we have the the round of 16 now. First, re- first result on the board is in Germany, Bayer Leverkusen hosting Ferencvaros Carvos of Hungary. And it is it is Bayer Leverkusen winning two 0 on this one, on the night, taking a two 0 lead. Too hungry for the second leg, we get goals in this one by Kareem Derenbay and by Edmund Tapsoba, a player I'm pretty familiar with from his time in Portugal at Vitória Guimarães. Very very good central defender. Uh, Bayer Leverkusen will be happy with that result at Rome's Olimpico Jose Mourinho does it again. There's something about this man and knockout football that is just special, dare I say. Yeah, I said it. The special one. Uh, he does it again. Roma, the, the reigning Conference League winners, look good right here in the Europa League. And look like they want to challenge for this one uh, this year. You get a two goals in this one. It One for al Sharari. And another for his teammate, Marash Kumbula. And there was an assist on that one from Paulo Dybala. And Tammy Abraham got himself an assist in this one as well. The Giallo Rossi will be very, very happy to take a 2 0 result with them to Spain next week when the second leg takes place. It is Roma 2, Real Sociedad 0. In Portugal, Sporting Lisbon. Yes, I'm going to call them Sporting Lisbon because I can do that. No, it's Sporting CP, Sporting Club Portugal. So the English language press calls them Sporting Lisbon. And it really, really upsets them. And I really enjoy watching those reactions. But hey, all credit to them here. They hosted the Premier League leaders arsenal to their José Alvalade Stadium. And it was the Gunners who got on the board first in the 22nd minute. Thanks to Saliba, he gets he gets the score that opens the, or I should say that breaks the deadlock and puts the Gunners ahead. But before halftime, off a corner kick, it is Gustavo Inacio, the center back, who gets his head on the ball. Beats the American Matt Turner, who's in goal for Arsenal in this one. And it goes to halftime, 1-1. One to one. In the second half, uh, Sporting will retake the lead in the 55th minute. Pedro Gonçalves, better known uh, in Portugal as simply Pot, sets up his teammate Paulinho, who puts the Lions ahead 2-1. to one, And they are thinking upset. They are... Seeing themselves going to London with an advantage and maybe just maybe they can pull this off. But only seven minutes later, let down as Sporting's Japanese midfielder Hidmasa Morita would be guilty of an own goal and it would be 2 2. That result would hold up. They would take the 2 2 result with them back to North London and next week to the Emirates. 36,006 in the house for this one. Uh, it'll be a bigger crowd, no doubt, at the Emirates next week. All to play for in the second leg. Remember, ba- we're back in Europe now. No away goals in this competition. So it's all whoever wins will advance. Uh, speaking of all to play for in the second leg, the Battle of the Unions. It's Union Berlin versus Union St. Giloise. This one took place in Berlin. And uh, a little bit of a surprising result as the Belgian side comes in, and they're going to be probably a little bit uh, down on the fact that away goals is no longer a thing because this one finishes 3-3, three, three, three times, I, mind you, uh, or I should say two times. Union Berlin had to fight back. The Bundesliga side, that right now, they are fighting for a Champions League spot next season. Remember, they were in Bundesliga 2 just a couple of seasons ago. Juranovic, Nachi, and Michel with goals for Union Berlin, while Boniface had two for Union St. Gluise, and Vertessen had one as well. It was it was St. Gluise, I hope I'm pronouncing that right, that took the lead first. Then Juranovic uh, answered in the 42nd they go to halftime uh 1-1 in the second half uh Neuch would score for Union Berlin in the 69th but it be answered 3 minutes later by the aforementioned Victor Oko Boniface and it was 2-2 and then Vermessen would would I got this all wrong Vermessen's goals in the 58th people uh Vermessen would would put so it was three times Union Berlin Berlin had to come back and uh, draw level. I was watching the Golasso show, um, so I was following this. I had forgotten the order of which the goals went in, but yes, it was three times the Belgian side would go ahead. Three times the German side would answer and pull level. This one finishes three apiece in Turin at the. This is the Allianz Arena, not what I called the one in. in sorry, this is the Allianz Park, not the Allianz Arena. It's getting very. I was wrong again. It's the Allianz Stadium in Torino, Italy, the home of Juventus. And there's just too many stadiums with the same name these days. Uh, Angel Di Maria, the legend with a goal in this one in the 53rd minute. The ageless Angel Di Maria. And that is all the Bianca Neri would get in this one. They'll take the minimal 1-0 lead with them to Germany next week. Juventus 1-0 at Old Trafford, Manchester United, welcome Real Betis. And the informed man returns. <laughs> he went quiet a little bit. Yes, I was hard on these guys on the weekend. They were embarrassed by Liverpool. Uh, they answered this time around. They they uh, responded, and full credit to Manchester United. And Marcus Rashford continues his form scoring in the 6th minute. However, in the 32nd minute, Ayuzi Perez would pull a level for Real Betis Ballon-Pierre, their full name. Uh, 1-1 there going into halftime. And then it is the Brazilian Anthony who would put Man United back ahead in the 52nd. Then it's Bruno Fernandes with a goal of his own in the 58th. And finally, finishing off the scoring in the 82nd minute, it's Wout who makes it 4-1. That is the result for the night. And the Red Devils will go to Spain next week with a four-one advantage. Comfortable, they look to be a lock in the quarterfinals in southern Spain. It's Betis' city rivals, cross-city rivals, Sevilla, who are struggling in La Liga. They're fighting off relegation, but they welcome Fenerbahce and uh, their manager George Zuzuz to to Andalusia and. Well, it was not going to be a good trip for the Turkish side as it would be Sevija managing this match, controlling it. Uh, It was only one team to win on the night. Jordan gets one in the 56th and then Lamela finishes the scoring in the 85th. Sevija 2, Fenerbahce 0. And in their borrowed home, uh, if that is the correct term, in Poland, Shakhtar Donetsk host. Feyenoord, and, of course, there is a lot of sentimental support bef- behind Shakhtar Donetsk in this one. This one would finish one-to-one. Uh, you'd get a goal in the 79th from Yaroslav Rat- Rakitsky. But it would not be enough because two minutes from time, Ezekiel Balude would score an assist from Igor Pachon, Uh, And Feyenoord would pull level. And this one would finish 1-1. Feyenoord, of course, last year's finalist in in the Conference League. So both of last year's Conference League finalists are here in the round of 16 of the Europa League. And both of them with a good chance to advance. Feyenoord's going home for leg number two. You have to favor them in that case. Of course, all second legs will be played next Thursday. March the 16th reverse fixtures and it looks like out the early matches you've got Fenerbahce hosting Sevilla, Feyenoord hosting Shakhtar, Betis hosting Manchester United and Freiburg hosting Juventus. Juventus in the late match next Thursday late matches Arsenal hosting Sporting, uh, Ferran Vicaros hosting Bayer Leverkusen, Real Sociedad hosting Roma and Union Saint-Gilloise hosting Union Berlin. Uh, so lots to to watch for in the Europa League. Now the Europa Conference League also in the round of 16, same format as the Europa League. You had the play-in rounds. And now you've got the now you've got the round of 16 proper. Now because of stadium uh issue, not issues, but stadium. Teams sharing a stadium, like I said, in CONCACAF. Lazio played on Tuesday instead of on Thursday because Roma played on Thursday. So uh, I was coming down hard, I guess, a little bit on the Hondurans. But in at the Olympic Stadium, uh, only two days between the matches. But you couldn't tell that the pitch was in good condition. Lazio would be upset on Tuesday by the Dutch side. Azed Alkmaar, yes, Azad Alkmaar goes to the Olympico and pick up a road 2-1 victory here in this first leg a bit of a shock considering how well lazio are doing in the serie a and only 19,584 came out for this one um not sure uh if if their fans kind of don't care about this tournament it's it's a shame if that's the case cuz it is a fantastic tournament to watch no doubt Lazio would take the lead thanks to Pedro Rodriguez, the former Barcelona man. Uh, he would score in the 18th minute, but then back come the Dutch side. Evangelos Pavlidis in the 45th minute would pull uh, Azed level. And in the 62nd, it is Milos Kerkhez who puts the Dutch side ahead. And they will take that one goal a lead with them home to the Netherlands next week. And now Thursday's matches: Ike Larnaca in Cyprus hosting the Premier League side West Ham United. And the Premier League side does as expected. And it is the Jamaican Mikel Antonio with two goals. He is their top goal scorer and uh, he is their known goal scorer. West Ham will take that lead home to the London Stadium next week in Belgium. Anderlecht hosting Villarreal. Villarreal has to be one of the favorites, if not the favorite in this competition. It was just two seasons ago that they won the Europa League. And now they seem primed to lift some more European silverware here. But Anderlecht stands in the way. And at least in this in this first leg, uh, it would be a a stalemate. It would be a 1-1 draw at the at the Lotto Park in in Brussels and uh you would get goals in this one from the first goal would come for Real from Manuel Trigueros and uh that would be in the 28th minute and in the 57th Anders Dryer would level for Anderlecht everything to play for uh, next week at the capital of the Ceramic Stadium I think is what they call it I, we used to call it uh, well, the yellow the yellow submarine used to call it El Madrigal back in the day. Um, Villarreal in their home stadium next week. FC Sheriff in Moldova hosting the Ligue 1 side. Nice and Nice will go to Moldova and pick up a difficult victory on the road. Uh, their goal would be scored by Ayub Al-Mauri in the 45th plus three. And it is a big win on the road, a tough win for the French side. In Switzerland, Basel in Slovan Bratislava battle to a 2-2 draw. In Italy, Fiorentina beat Sivasspor 0-1 nil. Their goal comes from Antonin Barak. Minimal uh, victory. They take a small margin with them on the road next week for the second leg when they travel to Turkey to take on Sivasspor. Uh, more results. Two more to 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 give you here. In in Belgium, it is Hent, Ghent. I believe it's pronounced Ghent. Maybe it's Hent. I've heard it both. They hosted the, another Turkish side, Istanbul Besekashir. And this one would be a stalemate. Uh, the Turkish side gets on the board first. Uh, Istanbul Besekashir with a goal in the 16th minute from Stefano Okakashuka. And then in the 35th minute, it would be answered. By against Gift Orban 1-1 is your result And uh, in Istanbul next week This one will be decided In Poland The Polish side Lech Poznan Will get a great start to this tie They will win 2-0 at home Over Dužgården The side from Sweden And will travel to Sweden next week With a 2-0 Lead Uh, their goals come from Antonio Milic and from Philippe Marchwinski, and that is your Europa Conference League results. And the only thing I got left to read for you here tonight, um, it's one one other competition going on, and that is maybe one of my at least in terms of as a TV property my favorite, uh competition to watch on television uh, from an entertainment standpoint. Maybe not from a on-the-pitch, you know, technical play standpoint. But I'm talking about Copa Libertadores. You guys know I love this competition. And the final preliminary round kicked off uh, this week. So there are four preliminary uh, ties here. The four winners will advance to the group stage of the Copa Libertadores. And the four losers will fall to the Copa Sudamericana. But either way, all these teams have group stage football to look forward to. Uh, Millonarios welcomed Atletico Mineiro to Colombia. This one finished 1 1. Second leg will be March 15th next week. Argentine signed Hudacan welcomed Peru's Sporting Cristal. And it was a 0 0 stalemate. Nothing really to report on there. Everything to play for. In the second leg in Peru, Fortaleza welcomed Cerro Porteño, the Peru, the yeah, the Paraguayan side. Excuse me, traveled to to the beautiful state of Bahia for this match in in Brazil, and uh, it was the Paraguayan side that went in and won the match against Fortaleza in a surprising result. Uh, it was a 1-0 win on the road for, and I misspoke, It's uh, it was a 1-0 win on the road for Cer- Cerro Porteño, and Fortaleza is not in Bahia. It is, in, it is in the state of Pará. I believe it is in the state of Sierra. Um, so uh, the Brazilian side now have to go to Paraguay and try to reverse this result to go into the group stage and make it one more Brazilian club. In the group stage of the Copa Libertadores. And in Chile, Magallanes took on Independiente Medellin of Colombia. 1-1 one, one draw. Nothing decided really in these in these first legs. Only one team picked up a victory. Uh, so everything will be decided on the 15th and 16th of March. And then the draw for the for the group stage will be done, I believe. Uh, the draw for the group stage will be done on March the 27th, and we will know what the groupings are in the Copa Libertadores. And lastly, um, it keeps getting worse for Flamengo. I thought I'd talk about this. We know they got knocked out in the semifinals of the FIFA Club World Cup. That put their manager, uh, Vitor Pereira, under a lot of pressure. They lost the Brazilian Super Cup to Palmeiras. That put him under more pressure. And then they lost the Ricopa Sudamericana to Independiente Independiente del Valle of Ecuador Uh, last week. I talked about it in one of the recent episodes, and it just got worse because Tuesday night uh, this past week, they were playing the final match of the Rio State Championship, needing only a draw against their rivals, uh, Fluminense, to win the title. This is like minimum requirement if you are Flamengo. You have to win the Carioca, as it's called. Uh, everton Cebolinha put them ahead in the first half, and I was happy to see that. I watched this match uh, start to finish. Stayed up past my bedtime watching this. Um, and I was happy for Everton because he has struggled so much in the past uh, two years since going to Europe. It didn't work out for him. He's come back, and he has struggled even more in Flamengo. Uh, great to see him. First, in the Ricopa second leg, he got the assist on the goal that forced extra time and eventually penalties. Now, in this one, he gets the goal that seemingly should have clinched the title for Flamengo. However, um, well, it's just the way things are going. But uh, Gabi Goal looks to have put Flamengo ahead by two in this before halftime. And it seemed like it was going to hold. And then the VAR got involved. And the goal was disallowed. And uh, Flamengo only had the the 1-0 result. They looked like they were trying to manage it. And then I had to ask a, fr- a Brazilian friend of mine if he saw what I saw. And he saw what I saw. As the match started slipping, Vito Pereira made... Strange substitutions. He took off the Hascaeta. He took off Jerson. Uh, he took off Gabigol. He took off his key guys. And suddenly, just like that, Fluminense level it 1-1. It's still enough for Flamengo to win the title. However, it was only a matter of minutes. And in the closing moments, in the, at the death, Fluminense, the three-colored, steal the Rio title from their rivals, Flamengo. Unbelievable! Uh, to the best of my knowledge, the last I know, um, Vitor Pereira is still employed as the manager of Flamengo. I don't know how. Uh, I'm double-checking that right now before I finish this podcast. Yes, he is still listed. As the club's manager, I don't know how. It's almost as if he does not want the job anymore, and he tried to get fired in this match. That's the only thing that can explain the poor substitutions. But beside the manager, Flamengo also have some guys that they need to to cut ties with. They have um, aging players, and it they're not really helping, uh, to be perfectly honest with you. And um, the president of Flamengo, Marcus Braj, has some tough decisions to do. Uh, sorry, the president is Rodolfo Landim. Uh, Marcos Braz, I believe, is the is the I guess the equivalent to the director of football. Um, but anyway, it is the crisis is still going in Flamengo for Flamengo right now. It is not. It is not a, a good time to be a Flamengo supporter. I do feel for them. I have. I do have a sympathy for them. I do have a. Uh, I don't know if sympathy is the right word. I, I they are the Brazilian team I most uh, cheer for. They're the ones I, I feel for the most, and uh, it just continues to uh, just continues to be a downward spiral. It looks like this stage of the season last year, and then if you know they made a managerial change. And uh, they ended up winning the Copa Libertadores and the Copa do Brasil. So who knows what's going to happen this season. The Brazilian League is less than a month away now. So uh, the Serie A will be starting soon. uh, The Brazilian Serie A. And, you know, I will do my best to keep up with it because I do enjoy that competition a lot as well. But that's it. That's the midweek madness for you. That's all all the results I have for you. Uh, Happy weekend. Enjoy your football this weekend, as every weekend there's so much of it to choose from. Um, yeah, just just uh, kick back, enjoy it, and uh, Monday morning I will be recording the flagship show. We'll we'll of course recap all of MLS and then go around the world to the key results. I it won't be the same leagues every week that I touch on. I'll just try to keep it moving, and uh, yeah, that's it for parking the bus. That's it for this Friday edition. I will see you Monday here on the PTV media network. Uh, don't forget to go back in the feed and check out some of the other episodes. If you're listening on Spotify, um, the fi- Friday Five Play and the the Power Rankings are both video podcasts. You can watch videos if you're listening on Spotify. Make sure you subscribe on Spotify as well. Share this with your friends. Give it a five-star rating. Uh, I need all the help I can get to get this out to more ears. It's just not getting distributed in the volume, I would like um so uh, I can use all the assistance I can get. All right. Thank you for listening. Mr. Mike Agustino signing out. Peace.